0: Part two with Bill Smitherich. We're continuing our discussion of our favorite directors. And he's also telling us about uh, directors and their teams. And I just wanted to uh, introduce Bill again. You probably know him um, from the ABC TV series, Life Goes On, to the VP of the United States in the NBC series, The Event. And also he plays a general in 13 Days or Air Force One and Ted as Frank and Ted's boss. There's so many... Uh, wonderful TV shows and films. And he started in theater with the the great Arthur Miller and A.R. Gurney. And Smithovich holds an honorary doctorate from the University of Bridgeport and MFA from Smith College 76. Yeah. So let's continue uh, our discussion of directors. So we were talking about directors, our favorite directors, and our favorite movie di- uh, scene that a director shot. In a movie, because there's so many good um, movie scenes, you know, like from Jaws to Stanley Kubrick. So, um, so, uh, so, so, so let uh, we we were talking about which director. We were talking about the last director, um, the Motors Indian Motorcycle.
1: Yeah, that was uh, Roger Donaldson who directed uh, Thirteen Days and uh, The November Man,
0: which uh, you were in The November Man.
1: Oh, that was such fun. We had such a good time. Pierce and I uh, became very good friends. And uh, you know, this here's an odd here's an odd piece of information. Uh, we started the film on May 16th, about five years ago, I guess, and it's both of our birthdays. Are you uh,
0: serious? I, May 16th your birthday? Oh my gosh! Happy yeah. almost birthday! And,
1: and it's Pierce Brosnan's birthday. So we uh, I got to the uh, I got to the production office and there was a big cake and I thought it was for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure, why and not? We, were,
1: we were filming in, in, uh, in Belgrade, uh, Serbia. So, uh, it was, it was wonderful. We had such a great time, but, um, yeah, we, uh,
0: were, they're, they're we're like, born in Bill, the- Bill, put your hands down. That's not your cake. Put your hands down. Put the cake back. That is not your cake. And you're like, what is my birthday. <laughs> oh, it's Pierce Bronson's cake. So, did you double up on the cake? Did you get some cake? The audience is like, we're still on the edge oh. of our seats. Did you get the cake? Did you get your slice?
1: Oh yeah, we got plenty of cake. Okay. We got we got so much cake. In the in the next six weeks, we had uh, we couldn't stand it anymore. We
0: had so much cake. <laughs> okay, good. <cool. laughs> I just want to make sure you got your cake. above
1: a few other things <laughs> besides cake. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, we. Uh, uh, it was so grand, uh, uh, meeting and working with uh, Pierce and hanging with him, uh, uh, getting to know his family and getting to know him. Um, and uh, the, the, the character, I got a, ch- got a chance to shave my head uh, or keep my head shaved for this character. It came right after um, I had done um, American Buffalo, the play at um, the Geffen Playhouse. <clears throat> and the film uh, started shortly after that and I was ready for the role. Uh, I was so happy to have uh, the shaved head for the role because it fit just perfectly.
0: Wow, and, that, that's yeah. cool that you went from one role to the next that kind of almost had you prepared and prepped the way you look, that's very cool.
1: Oh, it was so, it was so great. And it was, uh, you know, the great part about it so easy. It's so carefree to have somebody, sh- you know, shave your head every morning or every other day or whatever it would be. Uh, but uh, it's a great look. It feels great. And it worked just wonderfully for both characters. Uh, in fact, I am proud to say that our production of uh, American Buffalo at the Geffen Playhouse was Viewed by David Mamet twice, he came to see the play twice, and um, was wonderfully gracious. and And it was also um, named the best play of the year in Los Angeles. So,
0: oh the my best gosh. Production. I want to go to your next play, but you know, I'm hoping that the theater's open, um, so that you. So, I hope that I'll be invited to go see your work. I, I, it would be spectacular. Could you share with oh, us? Like, are you a method actor, or is there any kind of hint you can share with the audience how you prepare for a role? Like, whether it's a theater, is it different from theater, TV, and film, or maybe sort of same thing? Kind of, you do.
1: Well, um, mm, I have to, you know, I have to say both uh, Miller and Ar Gurney, who I've worked with uh, in the theater, you know, they both uh, called me a natural. You know, I mean. And in some ways there, there is a natural, uh, affinity that I have to, uh, the craft, um, uh, the craft I worked on, uh, and I'll use any technique that I can, uh, to get the results that I need. So, um, sometimes, um, uh, you can get the result physically, and create an emotional response. And sometimes you can create an emotional to create a physical response if that makes sense to you.
0: Sure, yes, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah it just uh yeah, it's so amazing because you go, you transform from theater, doing the amazing Buffalo Bill to going on TV, being generals, and then to doing spectacular films. It's just well, amazing. Uh, yeah, your work. I, I will
1: say it's it's American Buffalo. It's not Buffalo Bill.
0: Did I say it's I, a,
1: American Buffalo? But David Mamet. But the, uh, the you know it's just a question of uh, of living, of pretending, of imagining, of thinking uh, differently about yourself and how you can use yourself to make a particular character come alive do you have something within you can you do the uh the emotional necessary emotional work that it would take to build this character and you know it's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different training that goes that does go on but um film actors. Uh, are more interested in being, uh, it's almost like they're in a bubble. Um, and what I mean by that is that you can't see the bubble and they're always what we're doing as actors, it's not always this way, but you can do so much more, with so little in both mediums, but you have to know how. You have to know when. If you want to be subtle on stage, it takes a certain amount of understanding. If you want to be subtle on the screen, that is up to the director. Film is a director's medium. When I hit the stage as an actor, That stage
0: belongs to me. And that's powerful. That's really powerful. And I I love that because, you know, it's it's also when you learn the different mediums, like you said, uh, film is a director's medium. The stage is the actor's medium. And I also like to say the audience you know, as part of that too, a little bit.
1: Absolutely. But, Another character in the play always.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they're with you. Um, is there, is yeah. It, is there, <laughs> is there, is there, yeah. And obviously they are with you. Um, Is there a favorite character that was one that like you just stands out to you that you loved playing? Um,
1: I like playing damaged characters. Um, I like playing characters that are challenged um high stakes um you know what what uh how my my career started was um uh, or how I really discovered uh it was it was rather an epiphany for me um when I was in college at University of Bridgeport around um, uh 1970 and I was <clears throat> I'd already kind of done a couple of little bits here and there in the theater for some friends, you know, because I'd been kind of a I was kind of a goof off kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I was having fun, you know, in college. But, uh, you know, I had no compunction about getting on stage and doing things. So uh, I was a big stand up comic uh, as well. You know, I mean, I, I was a big fan of stand up comic, uh, you know, in particular George Carlin, Lenny Bruce. So uh lenny Brute. uh somebody comes up to me and says oh you ought to go audition for lenny they're doing at the theater and i went well wow they're doing lenny i thought they were doing lenny bruce and uh i got there and they handed me of mice and men and i went oh i've never read of mice and men so grab the script Uh, went to a quiet hallway, read the script. I was minoring in special education at the time I preface that. And, um, it's the first time I'd ever wept at a piece of literature in my life. It moved me to my core and, um, I just was overtaken by this, you know, incredible story of George and Lenny and, um, So I went into the audition and I was, as I am right now, emotional and um, started to do the scene with uh, Curly's wife and uh, where Lenny strokes her hair. And and then, you know, she gets crazy and he goes crazy and snaps her neck. Not crazy, but he gets out of control and he doesn't know his own strength. It's that kind of thing. So I'm doing the scene and I'm, I'm deeply into it. And they start laughing. And I get very upset. And I said, How dare you laugh? How dare you? How can you direct this play? You're laughing at this character. You don't. And I just got so upset. And he said, No, no, no. Was a guest director too. (laughs) (laughs) And who went on to become an incredibly important person in my life, Alpia? And he said, "No, we're not laughing at you. We're laughing because we just found our Lenny. And I just about melted.
0: <laughs> and I'm about to cry too.
1: And it, it proved to be just an incredible um, moment in my life because Al um, and the the students at University of Bridgeport, who were members of the theater department uh, were incredibly gracious and open and giving and supportive. Um, and they actually gave me the best actor award that year. And that was, we went on to do the play at, at Al's theater in Stamford, Connecticut. Um, we took the whole cast to the Sterling barn theater in Stanford. And, um, that's where I met Morris Karnofsky and his wife, Phoebe brand. And uh, I got some more training from Phoebe and Morris. And Morris put me in a play, his adaptation of Volpone, with Stefan Schnabel, who was Volpone. And uh, he was a uh, Stefan was a was a soap opera star at the time, uh, but a famous uh, actor, uh, Yiddish actor, and. Um, so then, you know, uh, a couple of years went by and a friend of mine told me about um, Smith College and that they were auditioning men for their master's program. And he was there already and uh, told him about me. And I went there and auditioned and just this good fortune shined on me. And they gave me a full ride and a $2,000 a year stipend. And.
0: I was in heaven. Oh my I, gosh! Wow, that's a beautiful story, and yeah. and, and can you um, share with us? Um, that's amazing, incredible journey. You are a natural, and I'm almost in tears. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, sh- I'm like, you emotionally just caught me. Your beautiful presence just by audio. But can well, you I- share with us that you got your big break in the understudy role for the world premiere of Arthur Miller's? The American Clock at the Toledo yes. Festival. So I, I would love for you if you can share that with our audience.
1: Well, that's a big one, too. That's an emotional one. Um, I uh, I was studying with Jack Garfine at the Actors and Directors Lab in New York City. And um, Jack was one of the producers of Arthur's Play, The American Clock. And they did it at the Actors and Directors Lab Theater in New York. So excuse me. Um, Jack um, arranged an audition for a few of uh, people in his master's class, uh, one of which was Dana Delaney and myself. And uh, and we went to audition and they offered me um, assistant stage manager and understudying all the male roles in the show.
0: Wow. All of them. Not just one. You have to stage manage. And oh, yeah, you can also um stay. You know, in case it didn't get sick, we might need you. <laughs> like, in case it didn't get sick, we might need you for any of the meals Oh my gosh.
1: So it, it's, it gets better. And uh, I was assistant stage manager. All I did was pick up stuff off the floor, basically. Uh, so, um, you know, I got to watch the show and watch how it developed. Uh, it was just a wonderful uh, experience. Uh, Dan Sullivan. Who I've worked with many times since that moment um, was directing, and when they moved the show from from the little showcase they had to the world premiere at Spoleto in Charleston, South Carolina, they brought me along as assistant stage manager and understudy, and there were uh, seven male roles and about. Uh, I guess about 20 different characters. Uh, Because the seven roles played different characters, except for the lead, who was played by Peter Evans. God bless his soul. And Peter, young man, and um, it was the time of AIDS. And Peter went on opening night with 103 temperature oh wow and nobody knew that he was he had contracted AIDS we just thought he's sick got a, got a virus or something so Peter couldn't get out of bed uh, well Saturday night and Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening so uh they went through the blocking with me um and you know the best we could uh, i was never part of the blocking of the play and uh thank god there were beautiful people like john randolph and joan copeland and um george ead and I john played the father john randolph wonderful man and he helped me along the way in terms of you know uh some blocking and this and that but you know it went very well i got standing ovations uh or the show did um, all three nights or three performances so it was the show was going on i mean it was moving and frank rich who was then the <clears throat> the critic for the new york times came and gave us a glowing review um and uh What happened after that was um, the show closed Um, and then we went pre-Broadway and uh, we were in Baltimore at the Mechanics uh, Theater in Baltimore and Dan was directing and then Dan and Arthur had some creative differences. (laughs) And Dan left the show And we went to Broadway, and it was directed by Vivian Madelon. And by then, Vivian had come on, and he had just won a Tony for uh, Mornings at 7. And um, this wasn't his bag. And the show failed uh, on Broadway. We had 13 performances, and it closed. But what he did was he was trying to, and I think this was part of the problem that Dan and Arthur had was that he wanted to show to revolve around the depression and the other person wanted the show to revolve around the family. Um, Cause it was a story loosely based on Arthur's life. And Joan Copeland was his sister who was playing his mother. So you know, it was it was tough, and I remember <laughs> I remember sitting in Sardi's actually in the bathroom. <laughs> Is
0: that a restaurant? Arrest? Sardi's restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> sitting
1: in the bathroom and with the New York Times in my hand and reading the review. And as I was in there, Arthur came in with a friend of his, and I heard them talking about the review. It wasn't good but uh crazy crazy memory oh wow uh, i ended up you know jt walsh god bless him too um he was in the show in charleston and he played three roles and i ended up playing his three roles on broadway so
0: well well, you certainly had um you certainly moved on from there you went on you did other stage plays included food from trash rec room for a heavyweight Far East, and Frankie and Johnny at the Claire de Lune. And you're also a founding member oh, of... All of
1: those are just wonderful, wonderful memories. Frankie and Johnny with Caroline Aaron. That was before uh, life goes on. I had to leave the show. Unfortunately, we, uh, we were killing. We were just had a great time. And Food from Trash, just incredible production at the Actors Theatre Louisville with John Jory in the cast. <laughs> was. Uh, Robert Peelmeyer and uh, Mr. Sh- Robert Schenken, who went on to win a Pulitzer Prize.
0: Wow. And, you know,
1: Amazing. John Peelmeyer wrote, uh, not Robert Peel. John Peelmeyer wrote uh, Agnes of God. And, uh,
0: oh, boy. And, and Thorough were... of Film Addicts, these are plays. Um, I don't know if any of you are at theater school or if you can't go to um, college. These are outstanding plays. And these roles are not uh, a walk in the park. They are extremely difficult and challenging roles. And yeah. and you've been in some of the most, you know, the most beautiful plays and outstanding plays. Like Frankie and Johnny, Wrecking for a Heavyweight, The American Clock, I mean, these oh, are- Oh, the skin of our teeth,
1: uh, when we did the skin of our teeth at uh, Williamstown, uh it still ranks as the the greatest theatrical experience i ever had not only because we're doing thornton wilder's incredible play uh which has an incredible rich history uh during world war ii And people would give their food vouchers to see the play wow it was that much it meant that much to them and um, we had an incredible cast uh christine nielsen uh, was my wife and, um, oh God, Emily Burgle. Um, uh, oh boy, I can't remember all the names, but you know, we, oh, Marion Seldes was, uh, Esmeralda, my God, that was so wonderful. Uh, she was such a wonderful, wonderful woman and a uh, great teacher at Juilliard. Um, but, um, Great memories, and you know our last, one of our last shows. <clears throat> the, the the memory of all memories. Um, I the last show uh, was Sunday night, and I wasn't feeling too well. But we had eight shows a week, and you know I came. I left. Stayed in my dressing room for a while after Sunday night's performance. <clears throat> I Had some friends waiting for me, so I stayed in there. And, and uh, when I was ready to go out, I opened the door, and there was Paul Newman standing there. turned around he opened up his arms and tears and uh he embraced me and um and he was just i mean i it was incredible and then joanne woodward comes over
0: and
1: she says oh my god paul isn't he just like freddie isn't he just like freddie and you know we're talking about. They were talking about Frederick March in the original production of Skin of Our Teeth with Tallulah Bankhead. And Frederick March is one of my all-time greatest uh, idols. I think he's just an incredible actor. So that was. I'm getting. I'm, I get. <laughs> I get. you just thinking about that wonderful moment
0: in my life. Wow. A compliment from Paul Newman and his wife, but you truly deserve it. You are an outstanding, incredible actor that's so diverse from theater to TV to film. Uh, This is just a joy to hear you, how you came up because so many people are just doing little pranks now and getting lots of these followers and getting to act. And there's so many people that have actually studied the craft, worked on plays, and and are incredible. And so I'm just so happy that you're sharing your theater stories with us because these are true treasures. And the amount of commitment and work it is to do off-Broadway, Broadway, Broadway, or a play, or the Geffen Theater, it's so much work and takes a lot of energy and dedication to the craft to do those plays. All about love. <laughs> yeah. You are a natural, a truly natural. And uh, yeah, and you also are a founding member of the No Theater Company, which is ah. now, yeah, which is now an association with the Wooster group, whose members include William Defoe and the late Spaulding Gray. And Bill, yeah. you made your 1978 New York debut in the company's production of The Elephant Man. Outstanding. Oh my god. You did the Elephant Man. Can you tell us a little bit about that? We um we have like four minutes and then we're gonna do part three with you too, because we want to get all to your TV and film. But if you we're gonna if you could tell us a little bit about that, that would be wonderful.
1: Sure. it, it, it was that's when I moved to New York. Uh, the No Theater uh, NO, not NOH No Theater. We didn't have a theater. And uh, the Elephant Man was our Original production of The Elephant Man. This is before Bernard Pomerantz wrote uh, the famous uh, Elephant Man that was made into a movie later. But our production was based on the pulp novel about The Elephant Man. And uh, we discovered it. Uh, Roy, Roy Faudry discovered it, uh, a man in Northampton, Massachusetts I met at graduate school. And uh, we formed a theater company and did this wonderful, just delightful production of Elephant Man, where everybody played the Elephant Man at one point or another. That
0: was <laughs> Oh, almost. wow. Everyone got a little yeah. love. You all got to act. That's nice, actually. Right. Was there a vote so did the best? Uh,
1: when we went to New York, the uh, we went to the Worcester Group. We did it in there. And then uh, the lawyers for Bernard Pomerantz and the play came down and said, you can't use that. And we said, well, why not? Because it's copyrighted. He we said, well, we were first. Well, we can't. We couldn't fight them with the lawyers. So, after about a night of thinking about it, Roy cut out a little piece of cardboard with the word "the" on it and put it in front of Elephant Man to solve the problem.
0: I love <laughs> that. I love. And you know what? That's not fair. That you guys are working on it, and some people. We don't have the money, and we're talented and creative. And you did all that work. And then someone else said, oh, it's copyrighted. But you did it first. And, you know, there's a lot of great right. ideas that come. And just because of more and money. handled
1: it beautifully. You know, I mean, Roy handled it beautifully. We didn't have to go to court or anything like that. Wow. So,
0: yeah, that's the. So, about
1: 150 people got to see it in New York.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, hey, you know, I bet you there. But, you know, like with COVID, we, you, we, we would love to see something, you know. Right now, oh, we have. Yeah. Oh, it's so
1: bad. It's so sad. So sad that people can't sit next to one another and laugh and share. It's, you know, we've got to be careful with that. Um, And my partners and I are working on a new show, frankly.
0: Yeah, well um, let's let's end it here yeah. and then we're gonna do part three. So I have enough um so we're gonna end it on like uh your play, The Elephant Man, and then we'll go to part <laughs> we'll go to part three. Everyone please tune in part three because we will talk about um uh, uh Bill Smitrovich's TV shows, films, and what he's producing and how you can keep up with them. So into part two, going to part three.